Hey everyone, welcome back to another roundtable discussion. So in this video, we're going to talk about Singapore office suites and whether it's a good time to have a look at them. So we're going to share our research with you and what we think about Singapore office suites in general. So once again, I have with me Rusmin. Hi everyone. Victor. Hi. And Kenny. Hello. My name is Adam. I'm the editor of The Fifth Person. So let's just get straight into it. So what do you guys think? I know how have office suites in Singapore performed year to date since, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and all that. Just tell us about it. I think just right before the pandemic, office sector was actually clear for takeoff, right? Office rent was actually increasing for the last two to three years from $9 per square foot to about $11 per square foot due to the limited supply in Singapore, right? And also low vacancy rate at about, I think, less than 5%. Mm -hmm. But when the pandemic hits the market, the world, right, office demand, the leasing activity all of a sudden come to a complete stop because of the full lockdown that actually implemented by Singapore government, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no viewing, uh, there's no leasing activities in the two full months in the month of uh, April mm -hmm. as well as uh, May. So that also affected their kappa income, okay? So it, all in all, uh, basically office sector was badly hit when the pandemic hits. Mm -hmm. uh, well, of course, it's not as bad as compared to retail or hospitality mm -hmm. because they're still collecting the rental. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that they were actually hit quite badly was that the government actually uh, forced the commercial landlord to actually give out rental rebates to okay. the uh, qualifying SME tenants, right? So I think as much as about two months. Of course, one month will be paid by the government and another one month will be paid by the landlord themselves, right? But so far, I think they're still collecting their rental income. It's just that uh, now uh, leasing activities have started to uh, resume back mm -hmm. when during the phase two, uh, things are getting better, but the rent actually has been declining in the latest uh, third quarter result, the rent actually comes down by about 5 to 6%. Okay, so it's only been 5 to 6% despite the pandemic. So it's actually relatively okay. The rents have come down only that yeah. amount. Okay, but if you look at the, some of the office REITs in the market, right? Like for example, Capitaland Commercial Trust, one of the big players in office, uh, grey offices in Singapore, they actually reported a net property income declining about 4.5% mm -hmm. and their DPU also comes down by about 24%. The reason why there's a disparity is because the bulk of the DPU, the actually distribution, they actually retain some of it just to you know uh, go through this crisis because at the time at the peak of the pandemic, you know, no one really know how bad the situation is going to get right mm -hmm. when the government start to announce a full lockdown. So they took a more conservative approach by retaining some of the cash before things actually get get worse, right? But of course, not all REITs actually uh, did that. I mean, K REITs, for example, capital REITs, uh, their net property income also dropped by 6.6%. But interestingly, they actually increased their distribution per unit by 0.7%. Wow. But <laughs> that increments mainly because of the one-off uh, distribution uh, gain from the properties that they sold. So underlying net property income actually also come down. In fact, more than what CCT has cut their net property income. I see. Yeah. So actually, if you look at it operationally, they've come down about five to six percent. Yeah. The rents have come down. Of course, the REITs want to you know conserve more cash because it's very uncertain. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. We're still in phase two in Singapore. Uh, okay. you know, we don't really, for ourselves, we don't really come to the office every single day as well. Yeah. We're mostly working from home. So I'm going to bring up that next point because I think the pandemic has really shifted the way we work around the world, not just in Singapore. Yeah. Everyone's working from home. We're using Zoom, you know, we're teleconferencing and all that. It's a new way of working. And, you know, this might be the question a lot of investors are asking, you know, if this is the new way of work, you know, is this going to affect you know, the, the, the demand for office space 
and whether REITs are, of course, will be affected as well. So what do you guys think? Do you think work from home is here to stay? Of course, with this work from home, what people are thinking about uh, these office spaces is whether this is a permanent shift in rental income, right? Will mm -hmm. it ever recover after that? So the thing is, it could be half-half, you know, half structural, half temporary. Because structural is because people are working from home, they are more yeah. comfortable staying at home, and some of them find it more productive not having to travel to work, right? Some of <laughs> not you, everyone. <laughs> not, not everyone, but you know, some prefer to stay at home because you save an hour there and back from yeah. work, and that, that's uh, time saved. But some people, they just cannot work at home because they just feel distracted and it's just too yeah. comfortable for them. They need a different space. So the answer to this is not uh, totally clear you know you yeah. cannot say like oh you know things will be fine or things will not but we have to see as uh, we come out of COVID but at the same time it's uh, having a, an office space is important because of collaboration because you think about Google the idea that they set up the cafeteria so that everyone eats within the office is so that someone from a different department let's say engineering or, or computer a programmer can work, uh, can sit next to a sales guy and probably they might come up with a new idea and that's how they can generate more business and be more innovative. And at the same time, without an office space, it's really very difficult to build relationship with uh, the people that you are working with and so that it will be a fun environment. At the same time, it's very hard to pick up on new things when you're new to the workplace, but at the same time, you've never interacted with anyone. There's no one to guide you. You do not know how people uh, tend to work, you know. You don't know what's the work culture and you yeah. cannot experience that through Zoom or camera. And mm -hmm. so that's why I think office space is here to stay. But of course, uh, moving uh, into the future, like going to the future, I think companies will give their employees the flexibility. So example, if you have kids, maybe on Monday or Wednesday, you, you have to stay at home, they will allow you to have that option while keeping the office space. So maybe you just have to turn up for the meetings and, and, and whenever you feel like working in the office, you can work, work in the office. But I don't think if they, even if they want to downscale, I, I, I won't think that they will downscale by that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think the, the reason why work from home becomes a new trend this year is mainly because, also partly because government are actually enforcing all the employers to you know, encourage their employees to work from home. That's the reason why it stays that way, right? But during the full lockdown, all of us essentially staying at home and work from home, right? But as we move into phase two, uh, if you look at the office capacity uh, in the month of July, I think about only 20% of the workforce go back to went back to office, right? And then in Singapore, right? In yep. Singapore, yeah. yeah. So in the coming September, I think government also announced that uh, employees can actually go back, but not more than 50% of the total workforce yep. back to the office. So this is something that I think more and more people would likely to go back. Uh, mm -hmm. But whether we will go back to 100% post once the COVID is over, I think this is something that I think everyone is debating, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's, I mean, every company seems to have different opinions when it comes to so-called remote working. Some mm -hmm. are very into that, some are against it. Fujitsu, you know, Japanese company, they actually employ about 130,000 employees. They say they plan to cut their office space by half in three years time, mm -hmm. right? And then you have Facebook, they say they're also planning to shift towards uh, remote working over the next 10 years and Facebook hired about 50,000 over employees, right? And I just want to focus on the big 
companies because these are the companies that tends to have a big impact because they're the ones that are driving the demand right, for office space. But, so yeah. at the same time, right, uh, although they are cutting down, but there are also uh, other companies that are coming in because yeah. of the trade war that's mm -hmm. happening and Singapore is seen as a neutral ground, in, in, in a sense neutral ground, not, mm -hmm. not pro-US or pro-Chinese, yeah. you know, that kind. And then that's why TikTok is coming in, Twitter is coming in, Alibaba is Tencent coming in. is coming in, yeah. and Alibaba, they bought like half half the AXA tower, right? And yeah, they're going to yeah, renovate the space and bring in their employees. So in a way, I think some of the supplies are, can be absorbed by all these uh, big players coming in. Not forgetting Rakuten is yeah. also coming in. Yeah. yeah, I think all of us, I think most people are afraid that the office downsizing, but I think the probability is very low. Like, like all of you shares about the the stats about the work from home and all this. I think those people who work from home and they say that it's very productive, I think it's because that's their first time tasting, you know, like you, <laughs> your first time, like I say, first time eating this beef and you, you taste it very nice. But if you imagine if you eat this beef every single day, probably you get bored about it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I have, I have experience about my friends who, uh, she actually work in a Japanese company and she said that working from home is much more tiring than working in office because uh, she worked from home, but she, the, her bosses right have to continuously throughout the days right keep calling for conference call, because I think like a typical Japanese company they want to make sure that you are working down there. You know, <laughs> Asia is still very new to uh, to work from home, and yeah. there's a lot of trust you need to build. It's different from the US, right? US start off with trust first, but so that's the different in terms of the culture. Then I have another friend who works in a, a MNC in Singapore and. And what she she worked in the HR and she says that uh it's very hard to contact her colleague you know throughout the day she can't even uh find any one of them call them they don't answer email don't reply so it's quite inefficient I think in terms of in the Asia context as compared to the US right even though US work from home starts from 1990 I think yeah that's a very long back ago right but it, it only still take out about, about I think 10 percent or 12 percent of the workforce so and if people fully 100 percent work from home right it does not make sense because uh, a lot of companies, they why they are successful is because of the culture that they build. So mm -hmm. if you isolate everybody, everybody works separately on their own, then you will lose culture. And when you lose culture, it's very hard for business to grow. So eventually, I don't think that the space will downsize because in certain days, you want everybody to be, be back in office, right? So mm -hmm. like, like what Kenny said, it's it going to be more of a hybrid, a flexi, you know? Like, like us at fifth person, you know, we have been working from home since 2014, you know, right? <laughs> and flexing working. So, oh, so, I mean, working, you know? so I mean, like we, we work, we work, uh, like, uh, two to three days in the office and two, two to three days at home, depends on which one you want to choose. Right. So, so we still have an office and we didn't downside the office. We, we make sure that the office can hold everyone in the office. So, so I think moving forward is going to be like this, right? Yeah, I think the only time where you don't need an office or you need to reduce your office space is when your business is not doing well, right? Okay. So yep. and that makes sense to cut down your office space. When the COVID-19 hits the world, business is not doing well. Obviously, some companies will get badly hit by the pandemic and they will reduce, decided to you know, cut down the office space, but they are Businesses like ByteDance, Alibaba, I mean, those uh, businesses, uh, even Tencent, they're actually doing well. They are beneficiary of the yeah. uh, COVID-19 and they're actually expanding. And in Singapore, yeah. I think we have been seeing, hearing a lot of news about this tech giant, not only from China, but mm -hmm. also from the US. Yeah. They're actually expanding in Singapore. So mm -hmm. that will help the demand 
of office space is in Singapore. Yeah, and to be honest, you look at all these MNC company when they come in, right? Yeah. The office is much more comfortable and much more nice than your own house. Yeah. And people <laughs> yeah. just want to go to work, you know, like like let's say you talk about PNG. PNG they got a lot of um my friends working in PNG, I, I, I heard that they have a lot of activity. They request for, let's say, uh, the soccer table and they got it, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So it's like, no, it's, you're going to work, you socialize with colleagues, you know, you have fun and you, you're still, still working. So that's how the MNC is building, yeah. uh, moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at, I think Manulife did a research and, and they, they say that the top three things that people miss is they miss collaborating with people. They miss socializing with colleagues, yeah. right? And they miss, you know, supporting each other work, you know, because when you are separated, it's very hard to support. And a lot of things, right? Like what Adam said, you know, if you want to talk about investment, it's best to talk face to face, right? Instead of talk through the conference call. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, when it comes to, I think Kenny brought up a really good point, is that when it comes to collaboration, you know, the brainstorming and the ideas, it's really hard to do remotely. Yeah. Because I don't see you, I don't know you. I mean, I, I know you, but I don't know where you are, what you're doing. Yeah. And it's very different to like kind of like discuss ideas over Zoom. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's good to catch up on tasks, you know, yep. go through the to-do list. That's great for Zoom. But I think for certain things, yeah. collaboration, coming up with ideas, just like brainstorming everything yeah. out on the table, you just need to see it face-to-face. That's yeah. my preference as well. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's the same for any other company. Yeah, and sometimes I think we still we still need to connect with people and you know, also so we can, you know, how, how a business can grow is because everybody works as a team. Right. If you work separately, there's no team. Right. So, so mm-hmm. that's why we also have a Malaysian colleague who work in Malaysia, mm-hmm. and once in once a month or 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 every two weeks, he will just flew down to you know uh, Singapore, and we have like company outing. Then we work as a team, mm-hmm. so that we keep connected with him. Right. Uh, of course, now we miss him because he can't come over Singapore right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. right. He's yeah. stuck in Malaysia. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I think every company work culture is different, uh, but I think in the future we may potentially see uh, some changes in terms of design for office space. Yep. I mean, if let's say MNC decided to expand in Singapore or commit a space, they will have to design more space. Right? So I mean, in the past the 20 or 30 years, the office density actually has been declining, right? Uh, I think okay. so in they're the last 20-30 years, they're squeezing <laughs> us. So basically you have lesser space to work but because of this pandemic, I think this trend is going to get reversed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we are likely going to see a more spacious uh, office, right? And of course, uh, you're not going to see 100% workforce coming back after the pandemic is over, uh, but more of like rotation, right? Sometimes you take a shift, uh, maybe you come in one Monday, then your colleague come another day, you, you have uh, some colleague working from home, some working from the office. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I mean, I, what I hear so far, I mean, just to summarize, there are lots of advantages to having you know a physical office. You yep. need to collaborate. You need yeah. to meet people. I mean, there have been studies that have shown that uh, people who only work remotely kind of feel marginalized. They don't right. feel like they're part of the main team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Compared to the people who are in the HQ, I mean, that's that's natural. So that's just yeah. human nature. So there's a lot of advantages to having you know an office space and everyone being there at the same time. You know, employees want the, the flexibility to, you know, to not be at the office as and when they yeah. choose. You know, because yeah. for a certain day, maybe they need to run an errand or they just feel more productive at home in the particular day. And like you were, I think you were saying, you guys are saying as well that, you know, not everyone has a great home environment yep. also, yeah. right? You have yeah. to... I, I can't work at home as well as I work in the office. It's just, yeah. just Especially when you have kids at home. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> so probably those that are productive, they, do, they are single. <laughs> uh, yeah, or they, yeah, or yeah. they have a very nice house. Yeah. Or it, sometimes it's just not easy to do stuff at home. 
because it's noisy, the neighbors are yelling, the dog is barking. Yeah. It's not even your dog, someone's yep. dog is yeah. someone else's dog is barking and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Actually, so, actually, some of my friends they, they didn't like it because oh my electricity bill went up, my water bill went up, my own food. Yeah. Some of them were in tech firms, yeah. right? Everybody yeah. had their own food, so their costs yeah. went up. So they they rather go yeah. to the yeah. office yeah. and see an air condition is all paid yeah. for and everything's there. And like, your internet is faster in office. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. Even my wife's sisters, I uh, think she, she actually complained that working from home takes up a lot more of her time. Okay. Her work starts as early as 9am and then she ended up working until late night. It kind of blurs the line between mm. yeah. Like, yeah. You know, your home and work. Your work-life balance, you know. There's yeah, no work-life balance. So I think it's quite clear for the, you know, the employee that they prefer the flexibility. Yeah. That's yeah. what they want. So I think that's kind of clear for almost so everyone. Flexi working is likely going yeah. to stay here. But yeah. that's on the employee side. For the employer side, I think what <laughs> we've so far we've discussed is that some employees are still very traditional. Yep. They still and want to see you in the office. And yep. you have some like older old fashioned bosses like that. And some of the more progressive ones like us, for example, we really don't require anyone to be in any time yeah. unless we have meetings or like there's certain things you want to discuss. You just come in anytime you want to do your work or you want to work from home it's fine. And if you have MNCs as well, where they have systems in place that allow you to have, and they have nice offices as well, right? Cafeterias mm-hmm. and all that, soccer tables and stuff like that. They, they want you to be in there to collaborate, come up yeah. with new ideas. So I think on the company side, they also, you know, will want to have a, a space for you to be there and then give you that flexibility as well, the better, the better companies as well. So I think the, the, big, I think the big question is like, uh, you know, whether they will downsize it because, you know, uh, Depending on the on the demand for how much space that employees want, they may not have, uh, they may not want a bigger space as before. So that's yeah. that's the question mark I think. Yeah. So I think at this stage, uh, in terms of demand, uh, the reason why there's a drop in demand mainly because of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. office naturally is a cyclical in nature, right? I mean, uh, when there is a downturn, uh, businesses are not doing well, then they'll pull back their office expansion and that naturally will affect the demand. Okay, So mm-hmm. I think decline in rent uh, for great offices in Singapore is affected more because of the bad economy that is caused by COVID mm-hmm. rather than uh, work from home trend. Of course, that okay. I'm not discounting that all because mm-hmm. employers are also uh, now thinking you know, reconsideration whether they really need office space because everyone's working from home. Mm-hmm. right? But Things may be cha- will change a lot once uh, we move into phase three, once there's a vaccine in the market, right? I think definitely there will be more people going back to the office. Yeah. So yeah. office, I believe that it will still stay relevant post-COVID-19. It's just that in the next two to three years, things is not going to be easy because of business is not doing well, right? And there's mm-hmm. still no vaccine yet yeah. that are under the so-called commercially available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some And some businesses require you to be there, like for example, if you're doctor or dentist yep. yeah. you can't be remote you, you, yeah. the nurse has to go in the dentist the doctor actually has to go bankers in. as well because some okay. of my friends that work in the <laughs> banks they, because it's a secure network oh, yeah? and then they have the access to Bloomberg and stuff so they have to go the investment bankers they have to go be back, there yeah. at the, at and the office, those who yeah. work in the lab I think they also have to go back because yeah. you don't have facilities uh, like you know just a simple laptop yeah. you can work. Sometimes so, you still yeah. need a lab you know, or machinery. So not every yeah. business can be done remotely. Yeah. Some yeah. companies need to you to be there to do the work as well. And there's just no getting around that yeah. Yeah, for now at, at least. But I think, uh, Rusmin, you brought up a really good point. That, uh, I mean, an interesting point is that you feel that you know the demand has come down because of the economic conditions rather yeah. than you know the trend of people wanting to work from home is yeah. actually is more driven by that. So 
uh, and you're saying is like the office market is a bit more cyclical. Cyclical, yeah. yeah. I think so, if you look at the past uh, 20 years in the great offices in Singapore, mm -hmm. I mean the rent in the 2003 was like $4 and then you shoot up all the way in 2007 to as high as $18. That was a huge uh, bull run but at the time because the market was doing very well, mm -hmm. it was a very solid uh, four or five years of uh, bull run before it crashes down all the way in 2009 to as low as $8 per square foot. Right, but I think over the last uh, 10 years, so far the VA rental so far has been uh, not as less volatile as compared to 2007-2008 uh, than what we have seen. Mm -hmm. uh, it has been fluctuating between $9.50 per square foot and in between about $11 per square foot. Right, so I think recently because of the COVID-19 brand is coming now again, again that is because of the uh, COVID-19 during the first quarter there, there isn't any leasing activities because of the full lockdown. Okay, so things are getting a lot better now because uh, viewing are allowed now uh, and the landlord can actually uh, look out for potential tenants to lease out the space for those expiring, aspiring leases. Yeah, in their that's portfolio. on the demand side. So yeah. what about the supply because it's also about the amount of office space that's available. I mean, obviously, if there's hardly any office space, no matter what, you're going to have you know, high demand because yeah. everyone wants yeah. that space and all. So what's the supply situation? So like uh, thankfully, I think in Singapore, the net supply that is coming in over the next three to four years, averaging at about 800,000 square feet uh, each year. Right. Okay. So this is basically in comparison for the last five to 10 years on average is about 1 million. So the supply side is actually quite moderate, in fact, below the average mm -hmm. that we are looking at. So uh, because of the limited supply that is in the market, uh, I think that will help because of in the environment where the, there's a weak, weak demand, uh, bad economies, right? So that will help to so-called cushion the rent so the fall is not as steep as it used to be like 2008, right? So I think the rent is likely going to continue to fall from where it is today at about uh, could be dropped to below $10 per square foot, right? But things should get better, I think, in 2022 onwards uh, because if what Bill Gates says is true that we can overcome this COVID crisis by the end of 2021, then I think the recovery is likely going to kick in in 2022, 2023 onwards. So then yeah. the economy will pick up and then yeah. you will see office rents naturally yeah. rise because yeah. the economic conditions are yeah. better, is it? I'm quite, yeah, I'm yeah. quite confident that the rent will likely go back to the pre-COVID level uh, once COVID 90 is over, right? So I'm not, I'm less concerned for, of the work from home trend, okay. uh, but more of like how fast the, the economy is going to recover from here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think another point is that Singapore is, I mean, it's a, it's a city, it's not very big. I mean, there's only so much office space that you have in the, in a city like ours, I mean, our country like ours is so small. Yeah. So the supply will naturally be limited in a sense. Uh, there's only so many grade A offices you can have in a great location. Yeah. So if you want that particular kind of office, it's only a few places you can go. So the rents will still be supported in that sense as yeah. well, right? The, yeah, yeah. the rent in Singapore is compared to, I mean, Hong Kong is also one alternative for companies to expand yeah. into Asia market. Yeah. Uh, the rent actually is a lot cheaper as compared to uh, Hong Kong actually. Uh, mm, mm. So, and I think based on the recent news that we are looking at, I think a lot of companies, uh, those tech companies that are beneficiary from this uh, pandemic, they're actually expanding, right? They are not, they are not shrinking their office size. Uh, ByteDance plans to invest a few billions dollars in Singapore over the next three years. 
uh, they are likely going to need uh, office space, data center, right? And of course, Tencent also setting up a regional hub in Singapore. So the demand, I think, is actually picking up quite well in Singapore. Mm -hmm. And even like what Kenny said, Alibaba bought a 50% stake in XA Tower. And Amazon also, I mean, they already have an office space in Singapore, in Capital Square and One Joss Street. Now this time around, they are taking out more space from Citigroup, who is actually vacating out. So they are going to take over from there. And there are a lot of other companies like Illumina, Micron, PayPal, and the list goes on, right? They're actually expanding in Singapore. Mm. Right? And so, they're picking Singapore because it's a, it's a great hub to yeah. set up your HQ as well, right? Yeah, See, actually Singapore is in a very sweet spot for regional, uh, so-called MNC companies to reach out to Southeast Asian market, right? Mm. I mean, Hong Kong is very obvious that people who go to Hong Kong, they want to go to China, yeah. right? So for people who come to Singapore, naturally they want to reach out to a Southeast Asian market because Singapore is in the center of the Southeast Asia and it's well connected. Right, and it's very easy to do business here. The very efficient tax structure, uh, very fair rule of law. Yep, yep. Right, and then you have uh, really pool of talents that you can actually access to. Everything, everything basically everything, works right. here, right? <laughs> and so far, government also handled COVID quite well, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a political structure that we can trust upon. Right. And of course, the market for Southeast Asian market is huge because we are looking at uh, 650 million in the Southeast Asia mm -hmm. alone. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of big tech companies in the West and in China, they are actually expanding to Singapore because they want to reach out to this huge uh, group of uh, customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think Singapore is in the sweet spot, but of course in the short term, you expect them not to do well because it's just the nature of office, right? Mm. Economy is not doing well, the rent will drop. All right. Yeah. So what about, you know, um, I mean, let's like, talk about Southeast Asia. Singapore is in a great spot because of how well run this country, this city is. But what about, you know, KL uh, or like you mentioned Hong Kong as well. I mean, or in the US even, you know, what is the office uh, you know, situation like maybe we can have some insight into what's happening overseas and whether that could affect Singapore as well. Maybe it's just a totally different market, market altogether because so the conditions are different. You know? Yeah, like with the US is really state dependent because uh, different states have uh, different type of companies that they cater to. But uh, in terms of overall leasing activity in uh, Q1 of 2020, like I have a chart here so that you can see, right? Yes. Q1 20, uh, 2020, it went down uh, by by 20.8% and Q2 it went down by 53.4%. This is really common, especially when you know the, the outlook of the business or the, the economy is not clear, so people will not tend to renew lease or a lot of small, medium enterprises actually they go bust. So there's no uh, demand for the kind of space. And at the same time, actually I'm surprised that their uh, rental rates are actually quite stable, right? In actually in, in Q2 of 2020, actually it just fell by 0.2%. It didn't fall by much, but at the same time, vacancy rates are actually higher in uh, uh, states that are affected by oil. For example, uh, in Texas, you have Fort Worth and Houston and all those areas that are affected by oil prices. Those you can see vacancy rates going up. Then with places like New York where spaces are limited and at the same time banks, these are all occupied by big financial uh, firms, right? And they need a great A office to work out from. And at the same time, they have the cash to hang on to during uh, uh, this COVID season. So once everything recovered, they will most probably go back 
to the office. Unlike Singapore, Singapore what they do is to save money, they split their front end and, and their back end row, right? The back end row will be in the Changi Business Park and the front end, front facing rows that will be in the, the CBD, CBD yeah. But it's still region. in Singapore, right? Yep. So, I mean, it's still in Singapore, so it still benefits the, the Singapore office reads, yeah. whether so, it's in Changi or in the CBD. Yes. So, yeah, so actually Kenny brought a very good point. In the US, the office rent there is not as volatile, right? The reason is because the leases in the US, the number of years that they sign, usually very long. I mean, it can be as long as 15 years. So minimum that they sign usually five years and they can stretch all the way for, to 15 years. So you look at the office reads like uh, Manual Life or even Capital Oak Pacific. Uh, office, I mean, these are the two reads that actually have a lot of their office assets are based in US. So they sign a long leases. So naturally in those market, the rental for office space is actually a lot more stable because of the long leases of the nature of the leases itself, right? So when it comes to office uh, properties uh, or investment, different countries uh, behave very differently. They have a very different supply and demand yep. dynamics. They have a different uh, lease structure altogether. In Singapore, I think we are looking at usually on average two to five years of our office lease. So that's why the if there's an oversupply situation, that will affect the rent uh, more as compared to those markets that have a long leases because each year only a few percentage of leases are due for expiry so they're not in a hurry to renew those uh, leases or they can in fact renew as early as one or two years ahead mm. if the tenant is not to renew they can have a lot plenty of times to find a new tenant so the rent is actually a lot more stable right so uh, that's in the US uh, even in Australia the leases uh, also very long, five years, ten years. Uh, that's why I think a lot of office streets in Singapore, they are actually expanding into those countries because of the long nature of leases. And that will provide stability. And for people who invest in REITs, I mean, we want a stable uh, stability of income, right? Yeah. So, uh, and of course, in the, in the Malaysia, I think it's also a very interesting market. The yeah. leases, the duration is very similar to Singapore, except that in office space in Kuala Lumpur, uh, I mean, you just want to stay f uh, far away from yeah. that market because there's a huge oversupply right? issue yeah. at about 20% over percent vacancy. So rate. I think if you yeah. talk about the cycle, the, the office cycle, right, they actually at the first part where the rental is declining, they are trending downwards and they still, still haven't hit the bottom. This is for KL, right? This is for uh, KL. For KL. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, recently, actually, the uh, DH actually came out an article talking about this actually this pandemic right put even more downward pressures on the rent and the occupancy because they are already oversupplied and this, this one are just worsen it only we, right. they have been oversupplied for many years yeah. and i think yeah, after this pandemic things are just going to get worse yeah, yeah simply too many yeah. supply there so actually yeah, so. malaysia office is you know you want like, to stay away say run away from, from it, from it, from it right? yeah. <laughs> but of course there are some office uh, reads that done fairly well because like klcc the reason is because they Structure a long list, like 15 years that they signed with uh, Petronas. <laughs> That's okay. why they are a lot more stable. Right? So the quality of tenants, quality the, of tenants yeah, is also the, very the lease important. Like, the lease length and all that all yeah. plays a role. Yeah. So I think when you're looking at REITs, is is you, you don't you have to understand not just you no know, overall trends like work from yeah. home and all that. Yeah. You really have to understand the market that the REIT is yeah. in. You Which know, cycle are they in? Yeah, the supply and demand yeah. cycle and what the leases are like and all those yeah. things. When, which goes into you know how you analyze an office read. Yeah. So yeah. I think in the case of Singapore, a limited space here, yeah. we have a lot of MNCs coming in, yeah. we have a great you know yeah. economic system that's yeah. working here. Actually be before the pandemic, right, uh, if you look if you go back to the cycle again, the KR one is rental de declining, right? But for the Singapore one it's actually rental 
increasing. You know? Actually, by right, Singapore is going, yeah, it's going for a better time for the yeah. thing, like Rosemary said, then the pandemic hit and actually hurts us temporarily. But eventually, like you said, there's high probability that Singapore will recover faster yeah. than compared to uh, KL, which yeah. facing an oversupply issue. Yeah. And if you look at the office market in, let's say, Hong Kong, I think it's also one of the very interesting market. Last one year hasn't been good because uh, in the mid of 2019, there was an ongoing protest, which mm. was quite bad, and that will actually affect the, the leasing demand there because, uh, you know, in a political, when the politics system is not stable, uh, businesses you know, may think twice to expand into that country. That was what happened to Hong Kong. And then after the co- uh, protest almost over, suddenly COVID-19 came in. Right? So Hong Kong office market was badly hit, not once, but twice. And then now, of course, now we have a national security law that's actually being implemented. So uh, a lot of MNC that's outside of China or Hong Kong, of course, they start to you know, think twice to expand to that market because Hong Kong is no longer as democratic as it used to be, right? Because mm. of chi- China involvement in the country is a lot more uh, stronger now, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, so Hong Kong, I think the office market is actually weakening uh, and the rent is also very expensive over there. But I think we are also increasingly seeing a lot of uh, Chinese tech giants like Alibaba, Tencent, they're also expanding, increasing their present in Hong Kong market because Hong Kong is a good country for them to you know, reach out to the international market. So it's all, Hong Kong is always the bridge between China and the world, right, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you look at China, China office space also has been uh, over, there's an oversupply issue. Yeah. I mean, China is huge. Okay? It's huge, yeah. If you look at just first tier cities like Beijing and Shanghai, uh, their vacancy rate is actually in the double digit region, right? And the supply is also coming online quite substantially in the next uh, two to three years. Like, for example, Sunchen office stock expected to increase by 60% by 2023. So, again, when you look for office suites to invest, you need to look at the country. Uh, you know, supply and demand dynamics, right? Because mm. each market is very different. I mean, we are just scratching the surface on different market. Mm. How is the market is doing in the market and potentially mm. how is it going to recover post COVID-19, mm. right? So it's going to be very different because uh, of different supply and demand dynamics. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, when we talk about Singapore office suites, they don't actually just own Singapore offices. Yep. A lot of them have, yeah. have uh, assets in, like you said, China Australia, or in Australia US. and the US as well. You really need to understand what, what you know, where the portfolio is invested in and understand yeah. the office dynamics in that, maybe not just in the market, but in that city. Because Sydney could be different from Melbourne Correct. You yeah. know, or for Perth. So you need to understand the dynamics of that city and how, you know, how the they, supply they, the supply and demand and all that stuff as well. So I think this is the point where, you know, we ask, you know, all of us here, you know, if whether we're looking at any particular, you know, office REITs uh, and whether any any of them actually, you know, yeah. are worth considering at this point in yeah. time. There are only a few office REITs that are listed in Singapore. I mean, mm-hmm. you have big ones like Capitaland Commercial Trust, you have Fraser Commercial Trust, Maple Tree Commercial Trust, mm-hmm. OUE, uh, and of course, Suntech. Right. Okay, some of these uh, REITs, uh, they are no longer just a pure play office REITs. They actually have a combination of other trades like retail. Right? Look at Suntech. Suntech have a mixture of uh, convention, retail, and office. So mm. Suntech uh, net property income uh, basically was badly affected during the first half of 2020. They actually affected more badly as compared to you know a pure office play like CCT or Capital REIT. The reason because they have retail exposure and now you can't do convention. There's no exhibition that's going on, mm. so mm. they can't earn income from there. Uh, and of course, if you look at other REITs like CCT, I mean, this is almost a pure play office REITs, but they're gonna merge with Capital Land Commercial, uh, more trust mm. in on uh, 21st of October. So by the time you watch this, they probably have uh, merged. 
already, right? So if you look at the yield, uh, of course, the good one, uh, those well-managed office REITs like, I would say Capital Land Commercial Trust is also one of very well-managed REITs. The yield now is trading at about 5% at the time of uh, this uh, interview. Mm -hmm. uh, and they actually, in my opinion, they are fairly value, mm -hmm. right? So, and of course, there are also office REITs like OUE Commercial, that are actually trading at a very attractive view uh, around more than 9%. So mm. that looks attractive to invest, but if you're looking for a high yield risk as an investment, you need to be very careful because high yield risk usually tends to come with higher risk. So you don't, just, don't want to just look at the yield itself. Mm. Uh, OU is a good, good, one good example, 9%. Uh, the reason why they can trade at a high yield is mainly because of I mean, potentially there could be a cut in terms of dividends mm -hmm. or distribution per unit. And also, in the past, the track record for of OUE when they do acquisition, right, I mean, has been very dilutive for the existing unit holders. So that's why the market is actually discounting them, and that's why they trade at a higher yield as compared mm -hmm. to you know, better managed uh, yeah. REITs. I think yeah. investors need to remember yep. that, you know, DPU or yield is a you know backward, a backward looking yes. measure yep, yeah. is what you know what the last year's dpu is and you always have to find out you know or make an evaluation whether the REIT can continue to maintain that dpu moving forward and again that depends on all the stuff that we've discussed in this round table you know the economic factor factors the demand and supply and all that stuff and that really you know will affect whether the REIT can continue to grow or maintain yeah. this dpu and then that will affect your yield as well. Yeah. So at this stage, basically to answer the question, uh, I think a lot of these uh, good one, they are listed actually in Singapore are pretty much trading at a fair valuation. Mm -hmm. yep. So I mean, if you have a lot of excess cash lying around, of course you can consider looking at them. Mm -hmm. But if you have a limited cash or you you want to conserve for new opportunities that appear down the road, mm -hmm. then you I think it's good to probably monitor yep. them. All right. Okay. Hopefully the price will correct itself again. Yeah. That's what Rusman thinks. What about uh, <laughs> Kenny? What do you think about office? Well, rates? for me, I, I would stick with Singapore REITs because I think it's where uh, where I understand the most and I can see what's going on. Mm. So I'll stick with Singapore REITs. And if I ever invest in REITs, let's say if that REIT invests like uh, overseas, it will be a small percentage, let's say 10 or 20 percent, that's small amount. But really fully understand what I'm investing in and then uh, go into those REITs. So with REITs, we have to remember like sometimes high yield doesn't mean, uh, yeah. doesn't mean that it's <laughs> the best. Yeah. Uh, best so for you, you would have to basically yeah. look at the portfolio and make yeah. sure that m the majority of the assets are in Singapore because then it's something that you can basically look, you know, see and touch for yourself. Yeah. It's yeah. something that you understand. Yeah. Yeah. So that's for Kenny. What about you, Victor? Okay, so uh, for office fees, I think they are more cyclic in nature. So mm -hmm. for this type of cyclic companies, I, I tend not to buy at fair value. I tend to buy uh, yeah, at, a uh, with a discount mm -hmm. uh, right, to, to yeah. account for the buffer. So that's my own style. Uh. Yeah, but of course, different people have that their own style. Yeah, so COVID, the period of COVID-19, the month of March, that was really yeah. a perfect time to yeah. invest in office. It was right a perfect time for many stocks. Yeah. As well. yeah, many yeah. stocks yeah. Yeah. But so that, that's perfect time for also got a lot of good quality stocks. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, even better quality yeah, stocks as well. Yeah, but, but I mean, just if we just yeah. limit it to office REITs, yeah. that will be a, a great time. Yeah, a great time. So that like you, you, Victor, you're saying you want to have a margin of safety. Yes, because this is a, a, a it's a cyclic. It's not like stable. You know, it's not. Yeah. It's not like uh your medical. You know, your medical. Yeah. Oh, like Google, like you can Google, buy, uh, like your Google, you can buy a fair value. Yeah, yeah but yeah. this is something that. Okay. But pure play office streets in the US, maybe they are a lot more stable because of the long yeah. leases that they, yeah. they have. So yeah. it depends so, on the region again, but yeah. Singapore is more in a 
like you say, it's a shorter leases and we go more in cyclic in nature. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. a really good point that you brought up. So yeah. even though it's fairly value now, it's pretty you know, reasonable 5% yield yeah. for the higher quality office rates. Yeah. Maybe you want to demand yeah. um, a higher margin of safety because of yeah. the way, the nature of the, 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 the this sector in general. It's yeah. just yeah. a bit more cyclical. But I would think that the, the offices, uh, office rates that are listed in Singapore, Especially those in the US, I think they are pretty still trading at an attractive uh, valuation. Obviously, uh, for those uh, office spaces outside of Singapore, you're taking a lot more risk. Mm -hmm. There's a currency risk. Uh, there's a, and you have to understand yeah. that market. Yeah, you have to yeah. understand yeah. the market. So you don't just go and blindly go and buy them. Right? You have to do your homework and research, make sure you yeah. understand them before you actually invest. Yeah, yep. so, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and we just have to say that, oh, we're not making any re recommendation <laughs> here, right? Yeah. Let me say it's attractive, but you have to do your own homework and figure for, uh, figure it out yourself yeah. and see whether it's the Always right Always do your own due diligence. Everything that we discussed during this round table, is this really for discussion purposes? Everything that you do, always make sure that you know you do your homework, like Kenny is saying. So I think, yeah, I think that's a really good uh, round table. Let's wrap it up. So I think, you know, um, really enjoyed discussing about office suites. Uh, thank you once again to Rosman, right, uh, Victor, thank you. and Kenny. I really hope you enjoyed that if you're especially in, you know, interested in looking at office suites right now because it's still fairly valued at this point in time. Yeah. But always do your own research, do your own due diligence, and decide for yourself what works best for your portfolio. Yeah. So if you really like this video and all our roundtables, you know, feel free to like, you know, smash the like button, like <laughs> they say, and uh, you know, share this with your friends, especially if they're investors themselves. Mm -hmm. And of course, subscribe to our channel because we've had many more roundtables yep. that are going to come up. We have always think new things to discuss, yeah. and we want to make sure that you know, whenever these roundtables come out and they're published, you get them straight away. Yeah. Because sometimes these things are time sensitive as well. Yeah. And if you have yeah. any uh, topics that you want us to discuss, feel free to uh, leave, yeah, a leave a comment. Yeah, comment. Yeah. Ask us any questions, and we like to you know keep the conversation going. Yeah. Because that's what you know investing is all about. You need to have this like, dialogue going on, and then you know you really get to the to the gist of things as well. Because there might be blind spots as well. Yeah. So once again, thank you so much for watching this. My name is Adam. We're all from the fifth person, and we'll see you around. See you. See you. See you.